0: Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Real Skiers with Jackson Hogan. Greetings, dear listeners. You are listening to the dulcet intonations of Jackson Hogan, podcasting to you by popular demand. For a man who claims to be the pontiff of powder, alleging that I know everything isn't much of a stretch. Instead, it's sort of expected. As the title suggests, I plan to talk about all aspects of alpine skiing, from the mundane to the metaphysical. I will, of course, be doing interviews with personalities I've come to know over a four decade career, but I'll also share with you one-on-one, as it were, my insights as to how everything works. Your skis, your boots, your bindings, the market that sells this stuff, boot fitting, ski tuning, product development, skier safety issues, even the rental market. I know it all because I've done it all. I can't wait to share it with you in this intimate setting. Dear listeners, in this episode of Jackson Illuminates Everything About Skiing, your host, Jackson Hogan, will present a piece of Snowbird Secrets. I say a piece because it's not a chapter. It's the introduction. You know, that part of the book you never read. But just as Snowbird Secrets is no ordinary book, its introduction is no ordinary introduction. I could ladle on more palaver about its charms, But as it's a fairly long romp, and patience tends to run short, I best get to it. So without further fanfare, here is the introduction to Snowbird Secrets, a guide to big mountain skiing. This is not a ski book in any conventional sense. It's not an instruction manual, although it certainly is intended to teach. It doesn't focus on famous personalities unless you are generous enough to include its authors in that number. And while it's most decidedly about place, it's not intended to serve as an exhaustive guide to snowbird. Snowbird Secrets is a collection of lessons learned by skiing big mountains as taught by big mountains. The organizing force in each chapter is an idea, a primordial theme that we believe will help skiers reimagine their relationship with the mountain. After a brief exploration of how the idea applies to skiing, we guide you down that section of the mountain that teaches the lesson of the meditation, Any athletic, kinesthetically capable person who embraces the meaning of even one of the 22 meditations can accelerate to elite ability in a matter of hours. Yet the point of each chapter isn't technique or mechanics, but appreciating a concept that applies beyond the borders of the white world. The mountain, in particular Snowbird's hidden peak in winter, provides the specific slopes and conditions where the idea intersects with our lives. Once we take you to the doorstep of some fabulous run, we can't very well just leave you there. So we demonstrate how the concept applies by coaching you down what can be a daunting proposition. For make no mistake, a big mountain in winter can be a forbidding place. It pays to be humble and aware. Our purpose in occasionally taking you places you might never think of going on your own isn't meant to shock or intimidate, but to instruct. We pick runs and conditions that evoke the lesson, and if that involves a brush with fear, it's because that is when the lesson will be most valuable. While the lesson of each chapter is meant to apply universally, the fact that every teaching is grounded somewhere along the circular aspects of Snowbird is no accident. Snowbird Secrets is very much the product of this particular mountain, and we do not mean that as some trope. The mountain and no other brought these authors together and schooled us in its ways, training us to write this book. We are simply doing as instructed. While our lessons are grounded in this very special hill, they're transferable to any big mountain. Sorry, little mountains, we love you, but a small hill just can't generate the energy field of a peak that rises over 3,000 feet. Big mountains are wilder, more primal, more unlike our everyday world. Sometimes they are scary, and we recount herein some hairball situations that are more Tim Burton than Walt Disney. But that's why big mountains are different. They are less predictable, more demanding, and therefore so much more rewarding. We didn't want our meditations to be based on the movable sand of fiction, but manifested on a very real mountain in very specific circumstances. To fully expand our message beyond skiing, Wherever we take the reader, skiing has to be rooted in reality. As we move between the metaphysical and the physical, we want the latter to be as concrete as we can make it. So at some point in each meditation, we go on the mountain to show where and how the teaching comes into play in context. This is where the goose thousands of runs of experience serve as our guide. When we refer to the power of vortices, the irrefutable evidence of the Fibonacci sequence, or the connections between sounds, geometry, and colors, we're not reciting New Age incantations. The link between the physical and metaphysical is revealed in the language of reality, also known as the laws of nature. All we're doing here is making observations supported by math and physics as presently understood. You can consider it fanciful, if that's what you would normally call the application of math to observation of the natural world, But before dismissing our conclusions, skeptical readers are encouraged to further investigate the science. What the mountain guided us to create was a portal through which you could see the invisible energy that surrounds us. The visible light we see is only a tiny fraction of the energy in the air, which is a very busy place. Electromagnetic pulses, microwaves, cell phone conversations, TV shows, sports talk radio, neutrinos, sounds beyond our hearing, and other undetectable vibrations are omnipresent in the atmosphere. Yet the most powerful invisible energy remains the idea. The creation of anything new begins with an idea. Before making a turn or picking a line comes the idea. And so we have built this book around themes or concepts we hope you bring them into your heart as well as your mind and let them infuse your skiing. For you're still the pilot, the vessel of the idea's expression, the quiet fulcrum, the seat of power from which you unleash your personal frequency. Skiing consists of making a series of incomplete circles that somehow feel whole. We know circles are meant to be round and closed or if not, then spiral, a circle formed in time. Somewhere, that cycle of energy is being completed. It's our contention, the mountain completes our turns by absorbing our incomplete arcs and sending their energy back through us. When we move in cadence with the mountain, we are repaid with interest for the energy we invest. Skiing isn't just exercise. It's not like going for a walk or running after a ball. In what other sport are you led to discover not only that all space is curved, but that time is elastic? Skiing is an opportunity to step into gravity's stream and find yourself before you reach the other shore. If the idea of stepping into an invisible energy field sounds wacky, consider this. Speed flyers step into the invisible air above mountains and ride the vortices that swirl just above them all the way to the valley floor. The air may be invisible, but it's definitely not empty. Snowbridge Secrets is written in one voice, but it's the product of two minds and two lifetimes devoted to skiing. Guru Dave Powers has spent thousands of days exploring this mountain and all it means. Most likely, he doesn't even hold the record for most days skied here, despite logging more than 100 days a year since 1976. But no one has a deeper understanding of why he has come here than the goo. Jackson Hogan has been called here almost every year since 1978. The two missed years were lessons, and why not to miss another? The gifts of this mountain can never be repaid, but these words are Jackson's attempt to express his gratitude. With everyone's kind indulgence, Jackson needs to pull back the veil of our dual authorship and speak in the first person, singular, for a spell. It's the shortest path to telling you just what you hold in your hands. On March thirteenth, two 2009, I died. Due to a medical condition that I would be reluctant to discuss with doctors in private and therefore shall not share in the public forum, I passed out cold while driving east on I-80. It was around rush hour on a Friday afternoon. I was traveling with the flow at around 65 miles per hour. When I lost all consciousness, the car drove on, unsupervised for anywhere from one to two minutes, with the Truckee River an easy leap to the right and no bailout left. Somehow the SUV continued onward unmolested, traversed a seemingly impassable median, and crossed every lane of oncoming, weekend bound traffic, coming peacefully to rest with no more than a few scratches. How many angels it took to carry me across five lanes of traffic, I don't know. At the time, I only knew that something remarkable had just happened, but I couldn't fathom the significance. Why save me? My life was of no particular consequence. I spent another two years ignoring all the signals the universe was sending for me to stop doing what I was doing and focus on this. I didn't know why I was saved from certain extinction until the day I sat down to write this book. As prelude to what I'm about to divulge, allow me to share that I have been paid to write all sorts of twaddle for about 30 years now, and I've never experienced anything approaching this. Day after day, after writing for a few minutes... A pillar of fire would open the top of my skull and pour energy down through me like a funnel. It was like having a celestial battery hooked to either end of my body and someone turning on the juice. I'm surprised my hair wasn't smoking. The energy out of my fingertips was convulsively powerful, light guiding consciousness. Columns of what I felt as light coursed through me, igniting emotions, charging the mind to grasp the words and get them down. When the passage would be complete, I would be exhausted and it would take some time as we know it for me to cool off. What I discovered when I revived and read what had been channeled through me were the most perfect jewels I ever felt flow from the ether to the page. Some powerful juju wanted Dave's message to come through me. In the process, I came to realize I wrote this with Dave because the mountain brought us together for this purpose, that each was chosen for his gifts. When we go on the mountain on these pages, it's the goo who guides us. This really is his book, although the final turns of phrase are mostly channeled through my keyboard. But that was my job, the part I could do. I did not expect any of this, not a word. I would say I had nothing to do with it, but that isn't right either. I I was chosen. I was the one able to show up. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. It may sound like hubris or idiocy to say so, but we sincerely believe that the making of this book was no accident, nor was there any coincidence in the author's intertwined history that led to our mind melt. Why it took so long for these messages to find this particular expression we cannot say, except to suggest that spirit doesn't share our worries about time. Before sending you on to the real business of this book, we want to share one more thought that we found in the energy that inspired it. The great medieval Aristotelian philosopher Averroes wrote that proper teaching should communicate on the sensual, intellectual, and spiritual levels. How well we have succeeded in attaining this ideal is for you, dear reader, to say. But our hope is that you will find in these pages the pleasure of language, the understanding of clear minds, and the joy of pure, undiluted spirit, also known as love. This has been Real Skiers with Jackson Hogan. Thanks for listening.